Real Presence Live. That which is beautiful will manifest itself in truth and in goodness. Local. The challenges that we're facing in our generation, we just need the gospel. I mean, every every culture, every generation just needs to know how the gospel applies. Engaging. We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. It gives us the life. Live. The reality is He is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God. Praise be the Sacred Heart of Jesus and the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Welcome to another edition of Real Presence Live as Father James Gross and Father Jason Leffer are coming to you today from the near Southside Historic District in beautiful downtown Grand Forks, priests of the Diocese of Fargo. Pleased to join you today. Good morning, Father Leffer. Good morning, Father Gross. It is great to be back on air with you. It has been a while since uh, we were live driving, I think last month was the last time. So, Well, you see, it is the Solemnity of the Nativity of St. John. John the Baptist. Later on in the show, we'll be talking about this wonderful saint and his impact in our spiritual lives today. And we have some wonderful other guests as well. And uh, the Literary Thursday series. I'm, I'm trying to think of what what the name would of it would be. I guess it's a series for us, but uh, that'll be coming up in the next hour as well. Father Leffer, if we could call upon you to lead us off with the opening prayer today. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. amen. God, our Father in heaven, we thank you, we praise you, we worship you, we adore you, we glorify you. May we be your great glory. Father, send your Holy Spirit, Lord, and giver of life into our hearts, our minds, our memories, our imaginations. Open us up to the divine life, to the holy word of God. May we be transformed this day. May we be in your divine providence. May we never be separated from you. We especially call upon the powerful intercession of St. John the Baptist. We ask all of this through Christ, our Lord, Amen. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And as I mentioned, we'll be talking more about this uh, wonderful saint and some of the celebrations. Um, this is the primary one in the church year for uh, John the Baptist. We also remember him in late August. I believe it's the 29th, somewhere in that neighborhood. Yeah, this uh, today isn't as, as violent as... Uh, the one in August. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's, it's, it's not about the passion and the martyrdom, but about uh, the birth of St. John the Baptist. And uh, You know, I always like, on this day, it's, you've got to call to mind, you know, you only have six months to uh, prepare for your uh, Christmas Six months shopping. of shopping before Christmas, because six months from tomorrow is the blessed day. And sorrow, sorrow of all sorrows, the... The light is disappearing. Winter's yes. almost here, Father Gross. Yes, yes. Uh, John must de- decrease, but so that but that is so that uh, Christ may increase, That's as, right, as he had told us before. Light enters the darkness. So Yes, yes, indeed. So our first uh, discussion today is featuring someone with a, a very intriguing story. Um, probably wears a lot of hats by what I've been finding here, a Catholic uh, uh, blogger. Uh, podcaster, uh, speaker, author, uh, Meg Hunter Kilmer, and um, and, and we are uh, looking forward to visiting with her uh, later on today. So we are going to be uh, visiting with her in just a moment. PiercedHands.com is the uh, website where you can find more about her. And um, she is, uh, is describing herself as a speaker, blogger, and hobo for Christ. Not to tell you, Father Gross, so this is a little inside scoop here. The, um, when I first saw this, what we were going to do, my memory went, when I, when I saw hobo, it went to Monsignor Gehring and his, and his past life as being a 
true hobo where he hopped on trains and traveled <laughs> traveled around. <laughs> I didn't realize he actually did that. I know that he has a love for trains. Oh so, yes, this uh, is this is this is pre-religious life, of course. Oh, of course okay, of course. okay. You're, and and mm-hmm. you're not giving away something that isn't widely known, apparently. So. <laughs> All right, uh, let's see if we have Meg on the line with us. Good morning and welcome to Real Presence Live. Well, good morning. It is great to have you with us uh, in the midst of all of your busy uh, work and all of your endeavors, and we uh, are grateful for being able to visit with you today, Father Jason Luffer and Father James Gross, joining you here from our Real Presence Radio studio in Grand Forks. So um, could you begin by telling us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so my name is Meg Hunter Tomer, and I am a hobo missionary. So I live out of my car, and I drive around the country, fly around the world, telling people how much God loves them. I've been living out of my car for nine years now. I've been to 50 states and 25 countries, so it keeps me pretty busy. You, you know, uh, Meg, on that you're living out of your car kind of thing, this is, I don't know if it's a millennial thing or what, but I, I have been just bumping into people all over the place who are making the decision to sell everything they own, get an RV, live in the RV, travel around. Just um, two Sundays ago, I had this whole family, they came to Mass, and there they were, and got dynamic Catholics talking to them afterwards, like, yep, we live in an RV, and we're, we're traveling across the country. We sold everything, and, and kind of a thing. So how did, how did your decision to live out of a car come about? Yeah, it's not a thing that I would ever have chosen of my own volition. I am I'm a homebody. I like consistency. I like community. Um, and the Lord often calls us to things that we would not have chosen ourselves. Uh, so I was a teacher for five years, and I loved teaching. And then all of a sudden, it was very clear that God was calling me out of the classroom. There was just no peace in my vocation as a teacher anymore. Uh, and I prayed about leaving, and I felt a lot of peace. I prayed about staying. I felt a lot of anxiety. That's obviously a form of discernment that only works if you're in a state of grace. Uh, if you're not in a state of grace, you really can't tell what the Lord is saying. But, you know, I was spending time in silent prayer every day, and it just really felt like God was, was asking me to move on. And so, you know, I pull out my Excel spreadsheet with all the different schools I want to teach at and their average SAT and their curriculum and how many saints went there, because I'm ridiculous. And uh, um, And I was like, well, I guess I should pray about not teaching, like, that's not a thing, right? This is all I've ever wanted to do. It's all I've ever trained for. And I prayed about not teaching, and I just felt this resounding peace. And I was like, well, what am I supposed to do with that? Like, I've got a master's degree in theology. That and a winning personality will get you a job at McDonald's, right? Like, you can aim higher than McDonald's, can't you? Like, at least Burger King. So I was talking to a priest friend of mine, and he was like, well, you're good at public speaking. You've been wanting to do more of that. And I was like, yeah, you can't just quit your life and be a public speaker. You got to like ease into that. And, uh, and I was like, what? I'm just going to like live in a car and just like drive around giving talks for free. And I took it to prayer and God was just like, tell me why not. <laughs> and I don't hear voices when I pray, but you know, some people do and that's right. But you know, sometimes you just know exactly what the Lord is saying. And I literally, I couldn't come up with a reason not to be homeless and unemployed. And I'm like super type A, very achievement oriented. I've spent my entire life trying to impress people. And I'm sitting there like, I should definitely go to my high school class reunion that is like science and tech school outside DC where literally a dozen of my classmates work for NASA. And I should be like, yeah, I live in a car. And like, that seems like a good idea. And when you find yourself really drawn to something that is totally contrary to your natural inclinations, you just got to pay attention to that. And so I was like, all right, this will probably be for like two months and then God will give me a job. And it's been nine years. So apparently I'm pretty spot on on the what of discernment and working on the how long. 
I've got to know. I mean, do you, do you have a cat or a dog who travels with you? No. No, they would they would die of heat in my car. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, indeed, especially in the summer months. Indeed. Yeah, when I'm when I'm doing a holy hour in Las Vegas, I mean, that's it for Fido. It, 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 it's a dry heat, though, you know. It's, <laughs> it's true. It's true. Yeah. yeah, one more uh, quick uh, out from out of left field question. I just mostly to satisfy my own curiosity. You're not related to the actor Val Kilmer, are you? Um, apparently quite distantly, which I know because ah, he said okay. he was related to my great-grandfather. There is a uh, connection. And, you know, that. and of course there has to be because he was in that famous movie, The Saint. So, of course. Yes, you know, I mean, exactly. No <laughs> <laughs> yes, you have a couple of cinephiles uh, sitting here uh, visiting with you. Um, so what we're interested in, um, not only uh, what you're up to nowadays, but how you got to where you are, um, particularly you know, your faith experiences uh, as you were growing up and in your childhood. Can you share a little bit about that with us? Absolutely. So I was raised Catholic. Uh, you know, we went to church most Sundays. I went to my first confession. I lied in my first confession, and oh, then no. I walked out and thought, "Good thing you never. You only have to do that once in your life." Um, <laughs> so I was in a state of mortal sin from at least the age of seven, uh, which is not fantastic. And then I, I never went back to confession, um, and kind of found myself, you know. So distant from God um, because of the choices I had made in my little nine-year-old life, right? By the time I was 11, I was an atheist uh, because I only really have two settings. I have off and I have like full out, like all I've got. And so I was like, well, I'm going to be Two gears, go and I'm gonna, stop. I'm gonna, <laughs> exactly. I'm going to turn off the faith. And then I got dragged on a confirmation retreat when I was 13 and every girl in my small group was going to confession. And I thought, if I don't go to confession, no one will be my friend, which is decidedly not a thing. Nobody cares about the fate of my immortal soul. I got up and walked into the confessional out of imaginary peer pressure. And I think God in his goodness was like, you know what? Good enough. I'll take it. And I just had this profound experience of mercy. Um, really recognized my own sinfulness. Um, a lot of it, I think, was the Lord working through just a lot of the shame and despair that I experienced in my life and, and saying, like, I see every ugly thing about you. And I'm telling you, that is not who you are. You are loved. You are good. You are beautiful. I laid down my life for you, and I am delighted to have you back with me. And it was, you know, I mean, I met Jesus that night, and I don't do things halfway. So I was like, okay, I will win church. And what, what <laughs> is it like? went to what, all of the youth groups and what's it like going from everything. What's it like going from being an unbeliever to a believer? I mean, in that in that short of a time span. You know, um, it was. I, I feel like the the conversion of minds came first, and I was like, okay, Jesus is real, and I'm stuck, right? And I went through afterwards, and I did all the research because I'm an intellectual, and I was like, I'm not going to live my whole life based on some feelings I had on a mountain when I was 13. Um, and so I, you know, I like read the catechism cover to cover, and I read the Bible, and I started asking all of these questions and making all of these arguments. Um, and I knew Jesus, but I, I don't think I had yet allowed him to show me that my heart had to look different. So I was, I was ready to shout arguments in people's faces, but it was some years before I realized that God was calling me to a radical kindness and a radical charity that made it possible for people to see his love in my eyes before they would ever hear his words from my lips. 
Powerful. Well, we for those who are just joining us, we are visiting with Meg Hunter-Kilmer, who describes herself as a hobo for Christ. Um, before we um, step aside in a couple of minutes, we'll be taking a break shortly. I wanted to ask you about uh, your uh, educational background, your uh, theology degree from uh, Notre Dame. Um, share with us a little bit what that experience was like, how that helped you and prepared you, I guess, for uh, what you're doing these days. Yeah, so I never went to Catholic school until college. Um, so I was really entirely self-educated, which if you're going to educate yourself on the faith, sitting down and reading the catechism cover to cover is a pretty good step. Uh, but, you know, how much of that did I really understand at 14? Uh, so I went to Notre Dame because I had discovered that there was a job called theology teacher, and I was like, I'm sorry, I can get paid to force people to listen to me talk about Jesus? That's the best thing I've ever heard. So, so I knew I needed a theology degree. I went to Notre Dame and I did my undergrad and then a master's in theological studies at Notre mm-hmm. Dame. And it was just a really beautiful opportunity to dive deep into the mysteries of the faith. Um, and I think that, you know, when you're doing academic theology, frequently it's real deep dives into very specific questions and not necessarily the broader overview um, that hopefully people have gotten in their K-12 Catholic education. Uh, but for me it was it wasn't just an intellectual pursuit, right? It was also a love affair. And so what I was learning in the classroom was driving me deeper into prayer, was inviting me deeper into the heart of Jesus, uh, and was really, really a gift to me and really prepared me to be a teacher um, and then to go on to be a missionary. What level of of teacher were you? Were you secondary or post-secondary? Yeah, uh, mostly high school, a little bit of middle school. Was there a certain event that, that that woke you up to say, like, I don't belong here anymore? Or what was that moment of grace for the... You know, it was really... Uh, so I am naturally a very angry person. I I get really angry really easily. And uh, in four and a half years in the classroom, I was angry two times, which I don't know if you spent a lot of time with teenagers, but that's a miracle. And I knew, <laughs> I, knew that it was a miracle. I knew that there was just a profound amount of grace there. And... Uh, in the last semester that I was teaching, that grace was just withdrawn, and I didn't have, I, I wasn't sustained in that, and I was, you know, three times a week having to turn around and rest my head on the board and breathe deeply, so it was not to just freak out all over these kids, and I was like, okay, this, like, I need to listen to the fact that this has changed so dramatically. Nothing external has changed, but the internal is different, and I got to listen to what the Lord is saying in that. And we're going to be hearing about more of that story uh, as we come out back from a break. We are visiting with Meg Hunter-Kilmer, who styles herself a hobo for Christ. PiercedHands.com is her website, and we'll talk more with her after this break. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Taking what you experience on Sunday in church and applying it on Monday at work can be a challenge. This year's Faith and Business Conference will help you learn how to take faith principles and integrate them into the workplace. This year's featured speaker is Super Bowl champion and former Minnesota Viking, Matt Burke. Join us on Thursday, August 19th at the Convention Center in Sioux Falls. For more information and to purchase tickets, go to faithandbusinessconference.com. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio with a creative gift planning tip. Have interruptions impacted your charitable giving? If you feel like you have less to give this year, 
or are waiting until you get through these recent challenges, we want to let you know about some creative gift options that won't cost you a dime this year. For example, you could designate Real Presence Radio as the beneficiary of all or percentage of your IRA, or make RPR beneficiary of a percentage of your estate or specific asset. Make a bequest commitment gift this year without impacting your savings or investments. To learn more about the benefits of making a charitable bequest, please visit our plan giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701-290-4503. Let's get started. Hi, this is Dr. Ryan Sapo with Lumen Vision in Fargo. Lumen Vision provides eye exams for the whole family and specialty services like vision therapy and custom contact lenses. We offer a variety of frames with missions you can believe in, like Moto Eyewear, which gives away a pair of glasses to a child in need for every frame sold. We are so grateful for your support and grateful to be supporting RPR. You can learn more about our mission at lumen.vision. Lumen Vision is a proud sponsor of the Real Presence Radio Network. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. Father Jason Leffer and Father James Gross uh, sufficiently caffeinated and ready to uh, (laughs) uh, take on the day. And we're delighted to be with you on this Thursday. At the bottom of the hour, we will be uh, launching into our straight talk segment. That gives you an opportunity to ask us uh, whatever you may wish about uh, the faith, uh, various things that are going on. And there is no shortage of of topics uh, to to tackle. 877-795-0122. Two is that number. We like to just give that out ahead of time and uh, invite you to get those questions ready. You can also submit questions on our Facebook page at Real Presence Radio. Well, we've been visiting with Meg Hunter Kilmer, who made a pretty radical decision in terms of uh, walking away from a teaching career in order to teach in a unique way, a unique ministry, living out of her car, a self-styled hobo for Christ, uh, giving uh, talks and making appearances wherever she's been uh, called to go. Um, Tell us a little bit about some of the blessings that you have experienced, uh, some of these uh, maybe uh, encounters or settings that have really been um, enriching for you. Yeah, you know, it's amazing when you you make a change like this, I think it's very easy to think, all right, Jesus, I'm going to do you a favor. And you you know, he's hanging on the cross like, okay, thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, But God, (laughs) when he calls us to serve, it's always for our good as well as for the good of those who were serving. And it's just been really beautiful to me to witness again and again the way that the Lord provides. You know, I've got I've got this ridiculous life where there are days when I just post on social media, hey, I, I need a place to stay tonight uh, on I-40 somewhere between St. Louis and Memphis and just wait and see what the Lord provides. Uh, but there have been any number of times when... God has asked me to show up for people, um, and it's been clear that he, really He was trying to sustain me. I, I think particularly at a time when I was buying a plane ticket, and I needed to get to Alaska, uh, and I was going to be in Texas. And so I'm, you know, I'm two months out, and I'm thinking about what plane ticket to buy, and I was like, oh, I, it's $20 cheaper out of Chicago O'Hare. Like, I'll fly out of O'Hare, which is like a 15-hour drive. 
from where I was in Texas. Like, I'm not dumb. I know that it's not worth $20. It's driving 15 hours, right? But it just was so clearly the right thing to do in that moment. And I've really found that when you feel very convicted you ought to do something that doesn't make sense, you got to listen to that. And so I bought the plane ticket, and I'm, like, preparing to drive up to Chicago. And then I texted a friend a couple days before I was going up there, and I was like, hey... I'm going to be in your area in a couple of days. Can I come stay with you? And she takes back shirt. So I get there and she looks at me, married woman, mother of four. And she says, I'm pregnant with a tone of voice where you know that you need to congratulate in sort of a commiserating kind of way. And I was like, oh, okay. Congratulations. I'm doing. And she told me that she had taken a pregnancy test. was really not hoping to be expecting another child at the time. And when it was positive, her first thought was, gosh, I wish I could talk to Meg. But, you know, like, I'm not a phone person, and we don't really have that kind of friendship where she would call me. And when she's looking at the phone, she's like, she goes, I just wish I could talk to Meg, because I know that she would be excited, but she would also understand that I'm not excited. And in that moment, I texted her and said, hey, can I come to your house with you guys? And it was just so amazing to see that, I mean, God had prompted me to buy that plane ticket before she was even pregnant. He so, knew so the, the Holy in Spirit that is- moment. The Holy Spirit is kind of your manager, would you say? Exactly, exactly. And so that's really the most consoling thing for me, is seeing the way that my uncertainty and my what feels to be aimless wandering is very clearly something that the Lord has ordained uh, for those people. And it's, it's just such a gift to me, and to be able to hang on to that and to say, like, my life feels ridiculous, but if it's still bearing fruit, then I have to trust that this is still where God wants me. I know some of our listeners will be wondering, like, so just kind of your relationship uh, spiritually with the church, for example, does, uh, does a, a, a bishop sponsor you? Have you ever considered religious life? Are you consecrated to the Lord? I mean, what's your, your personal spiritual relationship or spiritual covering that uh, goes with you as you uh, go about um, proclaiming the Lord to others? Right. Yeah, so I, I mean, I'm just a layperson. I spent some time in religious life, and it was very clear that that wasn't where God was calling me, so... I'm just a single woman. Um, I do. I am uh, not sponsored by my bishop, but his office knows that I exist. I don't know that my bishop per se knows that I exist because that's not necessarily how things work uh, with the size of our diocese. But for a lot of events, you need pastoral or episcopal approval, um, right. and so they're they're cool with me. They, they know that I'm real. They sign off on my godparent forms, all of that stuff. So. Mm-hmm. You have all of the uh, paperwork that goes into bringing people, uh, wonderful people like yourself, into uh, parishes and institutions. Um, now, one thing that we've been made aware of is that you have recently wrote a book, written a book called Saints Around the World. Can you tell us about uh, what inspired you to write this and uh, uh, what it's about? Yeah, so this is uh, its a picture book. I don't know that I would really say it's a children's book because it's full of so many stories that nobody's ever heard, but it's definitely written with a voice for children. It's a hundred different stories of saints from nearly 70 different countries. So I really, I've noticed that a lot of the saints that we know in the United States are handed down from our German and Irish and Italian ancestors, which is beautiful. They're amazing saints, but we don't necessarily know the church in Latin America, the church in the Middle East, the church in East Asia. I mean, there are hundreds and hundreds of East Asian saints and we can maybe name St. Andrew Kim Taigon and St. Augustine Joe Rock. And it's been really important to me to share the universality of the Church, to show the diversity of holiness, both in terms of ethnic representation, so that people who don't always see themselves represented 
and stained glass windows can recognize that the call to holiness is for them in their culture with their background, but also different disabilities and different family types to talk about saints who were divorced and saints whose parents were never married and saints who had really strong temptations to sin. And so I wanted to write a book for children that would have beautiful artwork. My illustrator is one of my dearest friends, uh, and she's just brilliant. So I wanted there to be beautiful artwork and captivating storytelling that was also drawing us into the heart of Jesus. Because I think the way that we tell the stories of the saints doesn't always call people deeper into holiness. It's just sort of a series of events. And I wanted each story to speak to your dryness in prayer or to speak to your conviction that you're too ordinary for God to call you or your struggle with a learning disability or your inability to offer up suffering, right? For these saints to say, okay, I have been there. This is what it looks like to follow Jesus in the midst of this situation. So it's been really exciting to work on this book and then just to see the response as it came out a few weeks ago. Well, congratulations on having uh, Saints Around the World published, and I can't wait to get my hands on a copy myself and to uh, see more about these wonderful stories and biographies that you're going to be bringing to life to people. Um, I, I'm thinking a lot about uh, kind of the demographic that you are in, and uh, the bishops certainly in the United States are thinking about this too, about uh, outreach to uh, young adults um, what kinds of things has uh, the Lord been placing on your heart, especially as you're going around and maybe, you know, interacting with people your age uh, in terms of how to, um, you know, uh, what kinds of messages, how to reach out to them, uh, what uh, what's happening with them these days? Yeah, I mean, people my age have kids going into high school. Uh, so I think it's, at least my peers do, I'm almost 40. Um, but I think that sort of the way that we need to approach the young family and the way that we need to approach young singles are pretty similar. People are looking, they're looking for community. They're looking for a place to be more than just, um, more than just somewhere that you show up for an hour on Sunday and leave. And I don't know that people broadly know that that's what they're looking for because that's not what we were raised with, right? We understand Catholicism as something that should take you approximately an hour a week unless there's a soccer tournament. And that's uh, just not going, it's not going to feed the soul, and it's not going to draw people into a real relationship with Jesus, which is the only thing that makes showing up on Sundays worth it. And so I think seeing real communities where people show up for each other, where they encounter each other in deep and meaningful ways, that really, it changes things. I'm in a summer camp right now where the instructors, the purpose of the camp is to make sense of these instructors. And it's through the sacraments, but it's also through this intentional time they're spending together. And it's just beautiful to see the way these 16 to 22-year-olds, they just want Jesus. And it's because they're doing it together. You know, there there's some recent Pew studies that have come out, especially about millennials, that were, I mean, it was overwhelmingly the majority, like in the 70% where... Um, they're not, they apparently, according to this study, they, they claim they're not interested in God, or if there really is a God, he has nothing to do with their life. And even to the point where they're not interested in the golden rule, and, and if somebody does something bad to you, you have the right to take revenge on them or something. Is Just in your on-the-ground work, are you discovering that, or is that not really accurate? You know, I'm really not. Uh, I spend a lot of time with young millennial families and with millennial singles, and my experience is that they they really are seeking to live meaningful lives. I think that a lot of us, uh, 
we're very disillusioned by the expectation that we had for material success. Um, and, you know, with recessions and housing markets and student loans and all of this, I think a lot of people are like, okay, you know, I was promised the American dream, but actually, why is that what I wanted? And so I think people are really, they're looking for something more meaningful than just an isolated suburban life. You know, they want they want to live in radical ways. And that doesn't necessarily mean within the church, because we're not necessarily encountering people who are showing us what radical life for Jesus can look like in the midst of an ordinary life circumstance, you know, with your with your four kids, with your nine-to-five job. Uh, but I think that people really, they're aware of injustice. They're aware of sort of the emptiness of what this world offers us, and they're hungry. Um, and I think the task of the church is to figure out how to respond, not just with theological truths that can so easily become truisms, uh, but with with an answer to the longing of every human heart, right? This wild love of Jesus that manifests itself in the sacraments, but also manifests itself in people who show up for you, who hear your broken heart, and who are willing to sit there with you in the suffering. And I think that's something that, that young people need from the church. Well, Meg Hunter-Kilmer, it's been a real treat for us to uh, get acquainted with you and to hear about your witness. Be assured of our prayers for you that your guardian angel will stay on your bumper as you're uh, uh, (laughs) driving around and and conducting this ministry. And uh, uh, blessings uh, to you and to the people that you are going to be meeting. Thanks for taking time to visit with us today. It was a real pleasure. Thank you. All right. And again, her website is piercedhands.com, and that book is entitled Saints Around the World. So thanks to Meg Hunter-Kilmer for taking that time with us today. Well, get your questions ready, because Straight Talk is coming up next on the other side of this break. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Live, engaging, and local, this is Real Presence Live where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. 